Welcome to the Weekly Rebound Podcast, back again to break down another week of Legacy League's action. I'm your host, Connor Sauer, joined as always by my co-host, Greg Horn. Greg, we got a throwback audio-exclusive podcast today. Google Hangouts giving us some technical difficulties, but we're here nonetheless. How you doing? Are you ready for today's pod? Man, I couldn't be better. Um, you know, Flint got a big dub. That's what we do in Flint Nation. Uh, Rosinski was almost crying after Shocker City barely scraped it out. Uh, I'm coming for blood. I'm in rare form. Let's do this. I love it, Greg. We got a great episode, like we always do, in store for all our listeners today. And we got some good content featuring a special player interview, some mock awards. We're going to get into the game recaps, the game previews for next week, with, of course, all those beloved player props making their return for the playoffs. So be sure to stay tuned in for all that. But without further ado, let's get into the episode, Greg. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're starting off today's podcast unordinarily with a special guest interview. We are joined by the Redeem Team's very own team captain, Eddie Whitman, former three-point champion, analyst for the league. He wears a lot of hats for the Legacy Leagues. We're glad to have him on the pod. Ed, welcome to the pod, my man. What's up, guys? How you doing? We're doing good. We're doing good. And we got some, me and Greg got some questions. We know you got a lot on your mind. I'll let Greg lead us off today with the first question for our man, Ed. All right, so, uh, Eddie, uh, you know, I'll start at the beginning. Uh, you obviously have had the two Young Kings teams and then uh, obviously a Redeem team. Uh, can you tell me kind of how that team, you know, came to fruition and, you know, how you guys kind of got to this point leading up to this playoff game and, you know, just kind of how the season overall went and your thoughts on it? Yeah, um, the first two seasons definitely didn't go too well, to say the least. I think we only won two or three games in those two seasons, so... I guess Dante and I, in specific, we definitely wanted to change it up a lot. Um, I basically lived on Facebook Messenger in the spring, text, texting with Eric and Melquan a fair amount. Uh, finally got them to come on board. and I don't know, the season was going pretty good, 6-3, and three, the three seed. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't be there last night. I'm, I'm on vacation, so, of course, the one week I miss, something crazy has to happen. But um, Overall, good season last night, big disappointment, but... Yeah, obviously. Uh, so let's get into what happened last night. Obviously, your team um, playing a very, very competitive game over there on Court 3 against Sportslook. And this was a game that we definitely had as one of the better games. I know that a lot of the interns were saying, yo, this is going to be the best game of the night. Uh, two very competitive teams, two very similar styles of play in terms of how physical you guys are. But, of course, you guys can really you know, stretch the floor and uh, shoot the three ball at a more efficient clip than they have in seasons past and, of course, this season as well. Um, but it came down to just uh, a couple plays at the end there, obviously a big foul call. Um, Ed, I know you weren't there like you just alluded to, but um, I know that you saw some clips. You saw uh, some, some, somebody sent you a video highlight, and, of course, you've seen that, and, of course, hearing from your teammates uh, from, what they've, from what they've thought and from what they've texted you. What are your whole thoughts on last night and uh, the way that the game ended? I mean, I was watching the highlights on Snapchat pretty much the whole way. I was pretty much glued to my phone from 8 to 9. Uh, Greg was testing me some updates, which I appreciate. Um, but honestly, that call is probably, I know I'm a little bit biased, probably the worst call I've seen in three seasons I've been here. Um, I know people, I don't know who shot it, but someone, whoever shot it did fall really hard, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a foul, in my opinion. Uh, I feel like Melko made a good play of the ball, and especially down the stretch in a close game, you can't make that can't make that call. I know people on Twitter are saying that we were down 12 with two minutes left. We didn't deserve to win, but we, my God, the guys on our team, they, they made the comeback. It's not like it, it, 
Dortmund yep. gave us the comeback. So it just it kind of sucks to come all the way back in that game. Only having four guys. I know they played hard and to have the game to sign on a call like that it just it simply sucks. I have uh, to. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, go get into yeah, it. I mean, I just want to. I just, I, I agree. I, look, I, for my, obviously me, I, for my, me being a terrible intramural ref for WestCon for about three years. <laughs> I mean, they hung my, they hung my jersey in the rafters, but, you know, that's just out of pity because I was a good guy. But a terrible ref. But I can see where you're coming from, Eddie, and I think that it's kind of hard because it's one of those things, like I was saying last night, it's, not only did you guys fight, but you had to claw back. You know, it's from like a ten point or sixteen, whatever it was, deficit, and it's just all that emotion that's in there. And then for for really the game to be taken out of their hands, it's just that uh, I can understand where you guys are coming from. Really, where that emotion is coming from. Yeah, it's just a call like that with two seconds left, and after that, we really have no chance. It's tough to make a play going full court with, I guess, a second. I think it was so. That was pretty much, the, I think, my guys there and me hearing about it knew it was over right then. Yeah, and we always want to see the calls be correct on the court. Uh, it's not like we never want to see um, a call go the wrong way just to extend the game. But in a game like this, it's you know I think it's paramount to understand the fact that a blown whistle with one second left in the game in a tie game like that is essentially ending the game. And I think in those moments, referees have to give the benefit of the doubt to the game going to overtime and letting it be decided um, with an extra few minutes because it's tough to to put it all on a whistle on a controversial call that, you know, Melquan definitely had ball. It's undisputed whether he had all ball on that block. Um, the question is how much body contact was going on um, beneath his arms, obviously, which might have, might have drawn the foul. But nonetheless, like I said, in, in a close call like that, in a close game in the last second, you got, I think you got to give the benefit of the doubt um, to not blowing the whistle there. So I can definitely uh, understand your frustration. So your thoughts on that real quick, Ed. Um, I just, so far being in the league, I know it's a physical league. Like I'm, I'm on the smaller side. I know it's a physical game. They, they only call a foul if it's clear. So I feel like in this case, and it wasn't even the ref on the baseline who called it. The ref called it was already walking towards the other side of half court and basically with her back turned, blew her whistle. Right. So I won't get, I won't get started on her because she blew our game last year too, but that's okay. <laughs> um, but... It's just tough. I mean, it's all I can really say. We we played hard all season, put ourselves in a good spot to make a playoff run, and just it stinks to see it end on that. Definitely a tough ending. Uh, definitely a real tough ending. Uh, Greg, any uh, other thoughts on uh, what transpired last night? Um, no, I, I'm going to move it on because uh, you know we'll get to more positive note. And I, I love to ask our guests this question every time they come. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll leave it a two parter. Um, first, who has been your favorite player playing with in this league? Because I know you've, you've played here now for three years. You've played with a lot of players. I just I wonder who your favorite teammate has been. I remember when Eric came on, he said Cody DiLonardo. But, um, and two, two. Who? Actually, no, I got a better one. Two. Who you think on Redeem is the best cook on the grill? <laughs> All right. Um, favorite teammate, I mean... The obvious answer would be Melquan, or either Melquan or Eric, but they get a lot of respect. And I guess the guy I started all with, Dante, um, I feel like he gets pretty much no respect by anyone in the league. I mean, he may not put the flashy stats up, but he does all the little things, plays all the defense, steals blocks, usually guards the other teams, one of their best players. 
if we threw one car line against Shocker City, he did pretty good against him. So I feel like he's a guy that gets no respect, and he doesn't really want for the respect. He just goes, comes out every game, plays hard, shows up. So I feel like he's a guy that, I mean, he's one of my close friends, but I, I respect the way he plays, and I hope to see him get more respect going forward in the league. And um, second, that's a tough, tough question. What's prepared for that one? Um, <laughs> I think Melquan might be sneaky good on the grill. <laughs> I love that answer. <laughs> I definitely love that answer. I love your thoughts on Dante as well. Dante definitely, you know, is one of those uh, you know blue collared workers where you think he just goes out there and just does his job. Uh, plays defense, like you said, one of the best defenders in the league, in my opinion. I think his ability to get steals and blocks consistently on a nightly basis that stands out on the stat sheets. I know when I live, whenever I'm looking at the stats, like you said, he might not put up the flashy the, the points numbers, but. Um, he, he does everything else, and, and he does still have those nights where he does go off in the scoring column. So he has the full package, and that just goes to show how selfless he is, that he can take a step back and fill other roles on the team that they need more help in, obviously having a lot of premier scorers on his team. So um, I really like that. Uh, the shout-out to Dante Abate there. I think definitely a quality teammate. Greg, any uh, any more thoughts for, uh, for Ed? Yeah, I got a few more. All right, uh, so look, I'm, I could just go all day, but I'm not going to because... Obviously, I don't want to waste any more of your time, but I got, I got uh, Eddie. Hardest player you had to guard, whether it was be not like you guard, you were on them all game, but maybe it was a switch. And do you have a best memory of this year? Uh, was there like a game or a performance of yours where you were like, man, like you know, we might not win at all, but like that meant something. So I'll say you like the answer, Greg. I think Mike Pizzuto was personally for me. I mean, he's. He's so tall and just so good. I mean, I got switched on him a few plays when we played him, which was just bad, a bad idea to start with. But um, <laughs> he can do he can do everything. He can score inside, mid-range from three. He can pass, rebound. He does everything. So I'll give him some props. And um, best memory of the season, um, after everything that's happened, it has to be beating Joey's team so they're not undefeated anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Um, I mean, they're they're a really good team, and they they're lucky to win the championship. But I think it just proved that we were one of the better teams this year, and um, that was a great win for our team. So I'll, I'll remember that one. But going forward, we'll try to I guess learn from this game, and hopefully, gives us some motivation for the winter. Ed, did you just say that you think Run TMC is about to win the championship? I think they're a good team. They could win the championship. They could win the championship. Okay, I just wanted to clarify that. <laughs> What's your pick, Eddie? Then. I think Shocker City is going with a three-peat. Wow. Ooh, okay. Connor's pumped. Connor, you're with Connor. Wow, he sides with me. Honestly, Ed, I was watching uh, Shocker City last night, and it wasn't looking good. They came another game, Ed, where it came down to a, a late call. Ryan Florentine was fouled on the inbounds pass. His team was down one and originally was called a foul on the three-point shot with, like, you know, there wasn't a lot of time left in the game, so it was basically like an inbound to a shot. And uh, they called it on the shot, so he went to the free-throw line, and then the officials conversed and said, no, that that foul was on the floor. And then eventually, um, since that was actually the first foul under two minutes, it wasn't going to the free-throw line. So they had to re-inbound the ball with, like, one second left, and they weren't able to... uh, to get it done there so another game that was basically decided by a call so i just wanted to and i don't know if that makes you feel any better makes you feel any worse but um you know it just goes to show that you know sometimes in, in basketballs and in, in the basketball world you know calls can go either way it's kind of a universal feeling when they don't go your way and you got that that feeling of disappointment you know that's stuck inside you that just won't go away 
Yeah, that's wild. I, I did hear about that really, but that's that's crazy. I mean, it doesn't make our loss feel any better, but it definitely two, I guess, two heartbreaking losses at the same time uh, last night. So, I mean, it's it's a tough loss for us and definitely Nick Strong too. They had a great season as well, but it, I mean, it's part of the game, I guess. I mean, I'm personally not mad at anyone. I'm I'm more so just pissed about what happened, but I think I'll be all right. What's what's the outlook going forward, Ed, for for your team? You gonna come back and uh, try to re- rework, retool, or uh, you know what, what's the deal going forward now for for yourself and for Redeem Team? Uh, yeah, that's the plan. Um, our team was texting most of the night last night. Um, surprisingly, actually, already already added two more All Stars to our team, so that's a nice some breaking news for you guys. I love that. So, Care yeah, to break the names, or are we gonna keep that under wraps for now? I think we're going to keep it quiet for now, but we're not messing around. I mean, we're all pissed off, so we'll, we'll, be, we'll be back for the winter. I love that. Greg Horn, any final thoughts for Ed before we let him go? Yeah, one last question, Eddie. Um, who do you think would win in a three-point shootout? Me or Connor? <laughs> oh, that put me in a tough spot. I don't know if I can answer that one. Unbelievable. There it is. You heard it. Eddie doesn't want to choose me. It's over, folks. All right. It was great having you on, Eddie. <laughs> Ed, brother, thanks for joining us, dude. It was fun as always. Of course. I'll see you guys. Thanks, Ed. So shout out to Eddie Whitman joining us on the pod. That was a blast. But now we're going to get into the rest of the pod. And we're going to be getting into those mock player awards that we started to do last week. Um, and me and Greg have, our, uh, have done our consensus picks for these awards. We're going to go back and forth. This week we'll be doing the Rookie of the Year, the Offensive Player of the Year, and the Defensive Player of the Year. Now, once again, I like to always preface when I say this uh, whenever we do these segments, um, these are not the actual awards. These are just me and Greg's opinions on who we would pick if we had to do this. So I don't want anybody to get it twisted thinking that we're choosing the awards here. This is just um, an opinion. It's why they're called Mock Awards. So, Greg, let's start it off with Rookie of the Year, and uh, I'll let you lead it off. It's one of my... uh, Beginning surprise on the rise, guys, going back to, the, I think, episode one or two. Yeah, uh, everyone just ignore the shameless plug that Connor just did. But uh, <laughs> our guy, Colin Stacey, uh, I like to call him C-Mac. You know, shout out Tracy McGrady, one of my big uh, uh, childhood uh, athletes. Uh, I remember all my passwords were T-Mac123. All right, probably going to change my passwords after this podcast now that I just said that. But... Um, <laughs> Regardless, Colin Tracy is the uh, Rookie of the Year, and he really had a great year on a arguably the Rookie of the Year. If there was a team Rookie of the Year award, it would probably go to the Scott's Tots because of what they did late this season. You know, um, it's really it's it's kind of like that old tortoise and the hare. You know, you can be you can be the fastest, but you got to finish and you got to finish strong, and that's what Scott's Tots did. They beat Shocker City, they, they fought with Nick Strong heavy, they beat Redeem Team. And, you know, they really showed that they're, they were a really good team. You know, Mike Rizzuto, after the game last night uh, in the playoff game, spoiler alert, Flint won, obviously. But um, when he was talking about Scotts, he's like, you know, those boys can ball. They're really good. And, you know, that's what Scott Scotts does. And, you know, Colin Tracy and the Raphone brothers really lead that charge. And Colin Tracy is one of the better players down low in this league. His rebounding is he's a really great offensive rebounder. He's, he can really put it on your head. He's sneaky athletic. And he's just a very good and skilled big man. You can tell that he's worked on his post moves in his past. You can tell he has a background in basketball. You can tell all those guys do. And they just work so well together. He fits the mold. And Colin Tracy is well-deserving of this Rookie of the Year award just based on the fact that, you know, 
a lot of players come into this league and it takes them a long time to adjust. And he really never had that adjustment period, maybe a game or two. He came into this league and figured out his niche. Even when Scott Scott was struggling, Colin Tracy lived up to the absolute level that they needed him to play. Shout out my guy C-Mac. Go get those lap char- laptop chargers. Scott Stotts, great season for you guys. Yeah, no, I love him for uh, just showing up every week, being that one big man that those guys were able to consistently use on the low block because they don't have a ton of size. I'd say that was one of Scott Tot's bigger weaknesses throughout the season was that they lacked a lot of formidable size. But Colin was like literally one of their most formidable formidable players down there on the block, and he gave them at least a presence that they needed and did a really good job on a weekly basis of just getting points and rebounds and just doing everything the right way. Like you said, he plays the right way out there on the basketball court definitely has a background in the sport playing probably high school level ball maybe uh you know low division college ball but definitely has a background in the sport 13 and a half points per game seven rebounds and just like we said he's just overall productive player and in ways that don't even show up in the stat sheet as well he's very selfless i've seen him take himself out of games when he gets tired and 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 then come back in with full energy and really give them a spark off the bench so i've just seen him really you know operate a lot of facets he started every game he played for them and just you know ate up a lot of minutes and did a really good job so shout out to colin tracy a lot of people may be wondering hey how does colin tracy with those respectable numbers get rookie of the year um over one of those guys that were on uh um the toon squad and Jaden battle and chad mccoy but you know what Jaden battle was able to just show up this year and score so many points in his rookie season that in our opinion for a next award offensive player of the year we would give it to Jaden battle greg so thoughts on our boy Jaden? Man, he's a he's a dog, man. He's a fucking dog. This is a guy that you Jaden Battle is a guy that you want to go to war with every game. I don't care what sport it is. Hell, we'll play croquet. Name Nathan Polo, water polo. Name the sport handball. But this man would probably whoop our asses in can jam. He's one of those guys that doesn't it doesn't matter what you're doing. He'll go at you and he'll absolutely snatch your heart. He reminds me so much of Patrick Beverly, but a little more skilled offensively, of course. And he was he, last uh, last night in a playoff game against Run TMC. He was not afraid of Reggie Stewart at all. He went absolutely at him, and that's what Jaden Battle did this season. He led the league in points per game and point total points scored. He's a great three point shooter. He's a very athletic player. He's one of the best dunkers we have in this league and finishers of the rim. He's a, he has great handles. I mean, he doesn't have a weakness in his game. He's just again, he's not that tall, but he makes up for it because of how good he is. He really reminds me, actually, not Patrick Beverly. Kemba Walker. He reminds me a lot of Kemba Walker. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, look, Jaden Battle is a problem on the offensive side. Whatever team he goes to next, or if he's staying on Tomb Squad, he will absolutely be in the running for an MVP and Offensive Player of the Year and uh, All-Legacy League team. This kid is, this guy, this man is special. And Jaden Battle, like I said, he is a dog, and you, any player in this league would want to play with him because he gives you everything he has 24-7. And that's why Jaden Battle is the Offensive Player of the Year. Not only because of his offensive output and because of his scoring ability, but because he doesn't take a play off and he's always going at you. Shout out Jaden Battle. Yeah, and the fact that he was able to score 23.9 points per game, Greg, and doing it at a 49.8% clip from the field where he's doing a lot of jump shots. He's taking a lot of jumpers. He's a straight gunner from beyond the arc and mid-range areas. And for him to be able to take as many attempts as he did uh, he jacked up 73s, Greg. He was at the free throw line uh, 44 times, uh, or 40, took 44 attempts at the free throw line. 
and just you know always had the ball in his hands always had the be, always had to be the main facilitator main scorer and was able to do it all at an efficient rate so definitely an offensive player of the year in, in our minds definitely a top candidate we'll see if he gets it um but at the same time could also win rookie of the year which would not necessarily take him out of the eligibility racing but um the way it normally happens is that he's normally you don't win two major awards so he's going to get something he's definitely qualified for multiple awards this season we'll see um what comes his way but Jaden battle offensive player of the year greg for defensive player of the year um we have a guy on shocker city who's been putting up monstrous numbers down there on the block and this man has even suffered an injury in a car accident and came back this past week and balled out. So just an overall resilient monster, Dave Armstrong, Defensive Player of the Year candidate for us here on the pod, Greg. Defensive of the Year, he should win it. Look, David Armstrong, you need to start putting some respect on his name. I know about the Flynn bandwagon and me and Shocker City have our back and forth, but David Armstrong should be the Defensive Player of the Year award because you go to a Legacy League game. I dare anyone to go to a Legacy League game and find a player who makes more impact for any team than David Armstrong. I'm not talking about putting the ball in the basket. I'm talking about when you drive to the hole or if you miss a shot on the offensive side, one, you're not getting many offensive rebounds against Shocker City if David Armstrong's in the game. You're not. You cannot box him out. There's no one in this league that can. Actually, Dom Langston is probably the only player in this league that I think could box David Armstrong out. And David Armstrong still going to put 18 and 12 up against TNC because that's what David Armstrong does. David Armstrong is the complete package. Sure, he's not the best free throw shooter, but if you drive on, he averages five blocks a game. And it's not just the stats. I know we we love we love to look at stats, especially me. We love to look at the analytics and all that. But sometimes you just got to watch a player and just see his impact and what he brings to this Shocker City team. When they didn't have him the past two weeks and then they brought him back for this playoff game, you immediately saw he got a block like the first thing he did. He is just a menace on the defensive side of the ball. The paint is locked down when he's in the game. And he does, you don't have to worry about it because attacking David Armstrong is like a death sentence. And that's what David Armstrong does. He's an absolute bulldog down there in the paint. And hey, David Armstrong deserves his award in my opinion. Yeah, Greg, hear this number, man. And in seven games played this season... Dave Armstrong had 29 blocks. Like, it's just nuts, dude. It's just nuts to think about. He he, he just dominates down there. And guys attack him, and they they consistently try to get layups and dunks, and he says, no, no, no. He puts the the, the Dikembe finger up there. Wave it a few times because... You gotta let them know man it's it that's just a man you don't mess with like you said you don't go at dave armstrong that, that dude will eat you like he like you're his breakfast definitely a guy to avoid out there on the court some guy that if i see on the other team patrolling the paint you know i'm thinking it's going to be one of those uh pass and shoot from behind the three type of games i ain't going down there so um dave armstrong absolute tank so that's gonna be our awards for this episode we have mvp uh might do some first teamers next 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 episode um for the playoffs next week but yeah so that's gonna wrap it up we have colin tracy for rookie of the year Jaden battle offensive player of the year david armstrong for defensive player of the year greg let's get into the recap for all these games of course we had the first round playing games followed by the quarterfinals um we had both of them taking place um last night so a couple teams did play double headers but uh, let's get into it, Greg. For the first round, we had Toon Squad taking on the Silly Senders in a game where Silly Senders actually showed up with a very nice roster compiled of uh, some players that we hadn't seen all that much this season. And uh, sure enough, they win the game 89-84 to 84 
mainly because of those players, but that was uh, unfortunately not allowed because many of those guys had not made the eligibility requirements in terms of games played. So Silly Centers would be forfeiting this matchup to Toon Squad. So even though Silly Centers technically won 89-84 on the scorecards, uh, they were the losers in this one due to forfeit. So this game was kind of wonky, Greg. Uh, it was very competitive at first before Joey kind of let both sides know what the situation was, and then it kind of just became like a dunk show. So the first game, you know, the first part of this game was actually really competitive, fun to watch, but kind of just uh, fizzled out at the end as we uh, caught wind of what was happening. No, yeah. I mean, look. Toon Squad, love those guys. They're my guys. Um, they did their thing. They brought an intensity this playoff uh, night, which we didn't see all year. And, you know, I, I love to see it. Uh, Silly Fenders, I wish they had this team the whole year because they really could have improved. But honestly, I mean, I don't, I don't really got much to say. Uh, Toon Squad, you know, I could I could talk more in the Run TMC game, but, you know, uh, this game is kind of like fool's gold. It looks like gold, but... Uh, Ain't worth much. I love that. Um, yeah, so let's get into the next matchup, Greg. These, let's get these uh, these first round matchups out of the way. Another playing game between Scott's Tots and Bricklayers. Eighty four to forty four. Scott's Tots takes the win here as expected. Scott's Tots, you know, that's a dominating performance for them, Greg. Forty. I know Bricklayers have been getting uh, beat up by a bunch of teams this year, but a forty point win. We had Scott's Tots down there in the bottom to start the season, and they kind of proved at the end that they're a much more basketball team than we had originally anticipated. No, yeah, I mean, look, all due respect to Scott's Tots, they did their absolute thing, and I'm not going to focus on them because we'll talk again about them the next step. I want to give the Bricklayers their time to shine. They had a look. Good for the Bricklayers, man. They came to every game with a smile on their face. They fought. Jason Binder is an all-star. He did his thing. I don't care if I'm breaking the news and leaking it. Call me WikiLeaks horn. I'm coming at you. We are doing it. Jason Binder, you're an all-star. Go pop the champagne. You're welcome to come to the club. Me and Flynn will get you buy your bottles of heavy. We got a few girls. I got, I'll got. i get you like Jasmine or something. We're garden. I'm getting off. I'm getting off. Jason Binder, you are a monster. Mike Castro, you're a monster. And the entire Bricklayers team are OGs because they did what... Gentlemen's Club couldn't do, and they're men. Gentlemen's Club is the other thing that I can't stand this podcast, and I ain't going to go there. But shout out to the Bricklayers. They fought, they got top plays, they got player of the weeks, and they got an all-star. I love it, Greg. So they definitely do have an all-star in Jason Bender. Um, it's kind of hard to overlook what this kid did. Another great game with 19 points on 61% shooting. Led his team with six rebounds and a block and a steal as well. And the thing I like about uh, Jason Bender is that he really cut back on his turnovers. In the first few games, he was putting up a lot of points, Greg, but he was turning over nearly 10 times a game. Um, it was a real sloppy performance in terms of being able to transition the ball um, past the half-court line a lot for the Bricklayers. But Jason Bender found a way to produce points and limit those turnovers as the season went on. And you got to give, give him credit for that. You know, Even though his team wasn't showing up on a weekly basis with expectations to get wins, he was still out there getting his own, playing good basketball, and doing his best. I never even once saw him or Mike or any of the players on that team get down on one another. You know, they're all always positive. They're always high-spirited. They come in, and nonetheless, you come in, you get a good workout playing Legacy Leagues basketball. So you always get something out of it. You're always having fun playing with your friends. Um, if you take it like that, like these guys did all season, and they, and they tough it out and they finish the season strong, we have nothing but, but respect and credit to give these guys because – like we said, we've seen teams just you know mail it in and not show up halfway throughout the year. So, 
Um, shout that out to the team's gentlemen club. The gentlemen's club. Name use them. their names. That's true. We got to use their names. Um, definitely got to shame them a little bit here on the pod, Greg, because that's what we do, buddy. We call people out. We fire <laughs> shots. Um, so that's going to wrap it up for the first round matchups. Of course, Toon Squad and Scott's Tots advancing. Um, but the better games, the, the real competitive games start now, Greg. Uh, this was the Redeem Team versus Sportsbook game that we had already alluded to earlier in the pod with the uh, interview with Eddie. Um, Redeem Team falls 67-70 to 70 to Sportsbook. Like we mentioned, really came down to a final foul at the end of the game there in a tie game, one, one second left, uh, which kind of pushed this one past the limit for Redeem Team and their ability to come back. Really were fighting hard, down double digits for a majority of this game. Um, they a lot of communication between Eric and Melquan. A lot of it was healthy communication. You see just two fierce competitors going at it, trying to get this win, doing everything they can, dripping blood, sweat, and tears out there for their squad. And uh, they really started to mold together and put down a great run at the end. Greg just fell up short, and obviously we, uh, we, we discussed the circumstances of how. But just your overall take on this game and the season for Redeem Team and this win going forward for Sportsbook as well. Uh, I think it was an overall missed opportunity for a Redeem team this season. I think that um, they have the talent to go farther. Uh, I think they'll look back and regret it. But overall, uh, it reminds me of, uh, I always use this example. Uh, obviously, Connor, a Braves fan, I'm a Cubs fan. And I remember the Cubs, uh, the first year we were like really good and really like people would say we were World Series ready. We had our best record. Um, and we were going to the playoffs, cooking, beat the Pirates, smacking, Schwarber hit that ball on top of this uh, scoreboard. And then we ran to the New York Mets, and we got swept 4-0. And it was rough. It was rough watching it. Like, I'm not going to lie, there were some games I turned off in the seventh inning because I just, I just couldn't do it anymore. And then the next year we won the World Series. But we had a worse year. But I always contest that the reason we won the World Series is because that young team kind of needed that kick in the ass to – just kind of show them, like, hey, like, you know, just because you got all the hype, just because everyone's saying, oh, you're going to break the curse and all this, that doesn't mean shit until you actually go out on the field and prove it. And you're not just in a AAA anymore or AA when you're the best player and everyone else isn't as good as you. You're going up against guys that are just as good, if not better than you. And I think Redeem Team, it kind of, they realized, hey, we can't just do it ourselves. It can't just be me. It, 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 if you look at any championship ever won in any sport, it's always those random guys, those like Matt Delavadovas, those Mike Millers hitting like what nine threes in a game six. No LeBron. shoes on. And then like Fred Van Fleet balling. Like it's always guys like that, and you need depth on a team. Eric's going to give you his. Melquan's going to give you his. They're always going to give you theirs. Destin's going to give you theirs. But if there's no one else to supplement the load, it's never going to be enough, especially in this league. And I think Redeem's going to look back and just kind of wish they had more depth going forward. But all credit to Sportsbook. And Sportsbook really proved that they're one of the top teams in this league. And once they get Norco back, that Blackhawk blood, whoo, watch out. Blackhawk blood. I fucking love that. Oh, man, that, that's got me weak. Um, but yeah, definitely, Greg. You, everything you said, even though you're, you're hysterical when you say it, it was, it's basically all true. Um, Obviously, the Redeem team is going to look at this season as, yo, we could have definitely won it. Shocker City wasn't at their peak. Um, we beat Brunt TMC. You know, there, there was a lot, posit- a lot of positive things that they could have really incorporated and applied and won this whole season outright had they all went, had everything went their way. But obviously, uh, you know, a couple little, you know, screw ups along the way. 
um, some tough losses in the regular season. And then, of course, it all came down to this final 25 seconds in, in a game where their lives were on the line and then the, the whistle blew against them and, and, and that ended their season. But, you know, we heard Eddie say there's people on Twitter bashing him for, hey, you're down that many points with only a few minutes left in the game. You don't deserve to win. But I don't necessarily agree with that that stand. You know, if anytime there's enough time to make a comeback in a game and get yourself back in it, you know, that's that's fair game and they were able to do that and i don't think it's uh you know fair just to say yeah they should have lost anyways um because that's just the way some teams play is that they you know they're playing better from behind for most of the game where they like to you know put put that final stretch in you see that in horse racing all the time where you know the horse that's in the back just saving their energy for the final stretch so um we'll see what happens with the redeem team going forward as they continue to rebuild sounds like they have some serious studs on the way and for sports just a huge win and advancing to the final four now where they have a realistic chance to go to the finals greg so we'll keep an eye out on sports look but another great game taking place we already talked about this game a little bit too earlier in the pod nick strong versus shocker city greg shocker city narrowly defeats nick strong 61 to 60 back and forth game unbelievable scoring by both sides in clutch moments guys stepping up hitting big shots ryan florentine hit a huge three carmine santarelli to start the fourth quarter was lights out i think he scored more than half his points in the fourth quarter half of his team leading 20 points there was a team meltdown going on over there in shocker city in the beginning of the game game was still a close game two-point game carmine santarelli and kentuan miles having some words but were able to straighten it out um and, and come out with a big win here greg over um, Nick Strong in a very competitive game. No, yeah, I mean, look, I don't want to say I said it, but I said it. Shocker City era, over. Quote me, Rosinski, over. Um, they played like shit. Um, the Carmine fans rallied the balls. He did his thing. Dave Armstrong did his thing. Um, Kyle Alston's actually a great presence on the bench. Besides that, I mean, I don't know what Shocker City really wants me to take out of that game. You beat, you beat Nick Strong by one point, barely, without their arguably best player there. I'm still not high on Shocker City. I'm not sold. And again, like I said, I'm ready to be proved wrong by Shocker City, and I'll eat my crow. But again, I'm coming for blood, and I don't see it. I love it. Hey, you know, I picked Shocker City to win. I don't think they played great last night either. Um, And not to toot his own horn anymore, but Dave Armstrong, Greg, with the rebounds. I know that he only had three rebounds Mm -hmm. on the game. Huge, though. Yeah, I don't know if these stats are 100% correct because I saw him get like, it says he only had one offensive rebound. I physically saw him get more than one offensive rebound in the final minute of the game. So um, I don't know if that's a blip in the stats, but Dave Armstrong was getting huge rebounds down there at the end of this game to just continue to give his team second chances to get big points, and they were able to do so and execute. So shout out to him. Um, But Greg, Nick Strong, I know that we uh, we threw up the Vesicchios for most improved last last episode on the pod, and this team is this whole team could be most improved. We just looked at their record; they were two and seven last year. This team finished five and four, which doesn't sound like a great record, but from two and seven to five and four, and that five and four could have even been even better this season as well. And they were just such an elite, dominant team. Where you look at this game right here, sixty-one to sixty against Shocker City, that was basically their whole season was coming head to head with the best teams in the league, and even the nights that they didn't win, they barely 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 lost and they had literally a championship contending team when they had chris league who was showing up and they were just barely short of beating 
Shocker City without Chris Leak, which goes to show how much better this team has gotten collectively because this was basically the old school Nick Strong team with Ryan Florentine and the Vesicchio brothers doing basically the bulk of all the scoring. And then uh, Tyvar and Frank just playing you know physical roles um, off the bench, constantly subbing in and out for each other. Frank Morale was unbelievable, bodying up. He's an absolute tank, not afraid of any jawing, not afraid of going head-to-head with, with anybody on the court. I love how these guys just were absolute dogs all season long. Um, in both aspects of the word dogs, in terms of being constantly judged as an underdog and having to you know overcome adversity in a lot of different ways, and also just the way that they go out there and they just body up and they're barking and they're hollering and, and they're going head-to-head at, at everybody with full force. Um, never let their foot off the gas pedal. So shout out to Nick Strong, Greg, on a great season. No, yeah, I love Nick Strong. They're an awesome team. Um, Ryan Florentine is such a dynamic player. He really solidified himself as a superstar in this league, in my opinion. He could play with the best of them at any level, and he showed Shocker City why. And honestly, Nick Strong will be back. They're such a good team, and I expect them to continue competing for championships because, again, they're at that level with or without Chris Leak, and Nick Strong is on both sides of the ball, dynamic and efficient now. And that is the, that was their biggest thing. They weren't efficient before. Now that they're extremely efficient, watch out for Nick Strong. All right, Greg, now those two playing games. So the two teams that had double headers were obviously Toon Squad and Scott Stotts. Toon Squad was playing Run TMC over there on court two, and Run TMC took care of business 85-63. to 63. Um, Not really an unexpected outcome here. We really expected TMC to win and win this game um, pretty handedly, and they did so. They win the game um, by over 20 points. Will Hudson was lights out this game, Greg. We've called out Will Hudson in the past. Uh, we said, where's all-star Will that we're known to see? And uh, 19 points on 7-9 shooting, 4-5 or five from three-point range. Will's really stepped it up from behind the arc um, this season. He's, he's up there past 40%. He's shot the ball from outside the arc over 35 times, and uh, he's drilled at an efficient rate near 40%. So great game from him. Tom Langston with 14 points right behind him. Uh, Reggie Stewart with a quiet 13, but did it efficiently. Added some boards, some assists, 4-4, four and four, and a couple steals to his name. Mike Slat, our guy. 13 points on only seven shot attempts. Just a very efficient night for Run TMC, taking down the two-man squad that is Jaden Battle and Chad McCoy, Greg. No, yeah, I mean, look, we talked about Team Squad. They're an awesome team. Um, they played their heart out, and they really showed us that, you know, they have a lot of redeeming qualities and a lot of players on their team that could come back and really make a name for themselves in this league. But, um, you know, Run TMC right now is having the most fun I've ever seen them playing basketball. It looks like they have so much chemistry, and they just really want to see each other shine. Every time someone has a shot, they're all yelling. They're all just in sync. And this team is hitting on all cylinders and trending in the best direction they could possibly be trending with the way everyone's playing, especially someone like Dom Langston, who just looks the most comfortable he's ever been in this league. He's so dynamic, and he's absolutely leading this team to a championship. I love it. I love how... uh... Dom lets us know that we're uh, or lets us know that he's listening to the pod, and then we're both throwing compliments his way. That's kind of uh, some pussy shit, there, Greg. We can't be doing this. Um, no, I'm completely kidding. Dominique has been balling this season, and they're going to need him to be as good as he can possibly be. You know, heading into the final four now, because this is where the competition really steps up. And having a big player like Dom be as efficient as we know that he could be when he starts getting that three-pointer going and starts uh, getting you know down there on the paint and you can start working that inside-out game, 
you know, it's definitely a scary, a scary player to mess with. Um, Dom Langston, especially during the playoffs, we've seen him have some big playoff games in the past. Greg, let's get into the next one, the Flint Tropics. Your boys, the Flint Tropics, taking on Scott's Tots. And uh, a lot of a lot of people have been calling Scott's Tots. Uh, I heard uh, the commish called them Flint Jr., I, I think I called them a poor man's flint and took the more disrespectful route. But uh, I don't think it's disrespectful when we're comparing them to the Flint Tropics because the Flint Tropics are an elite team, best of the best in, in terms of always being consistently ranked at the top of our power rankings all season long. And they get a big win here, 67-61, ending Scott's top season. But this was a very competitive game where uh, even Mike Pizzuto at the end of this game was very impressed with Scott's Tots and their performance, where they were just able to narrowly edge out this team, where I don't think they expected to be in a close game like they were. Um, this game got really, really tight at times, especially uh, in the second quarter. Um, Scott's Tots was putting up a flurry of points, and they actually won in the fourth. They actually won the fourth quarter from the Flint Tropics as they were trying to make that final push, but uh, not enough to get over that hump, Greg. Your boys get that win. They're advancing to the semifinals. Yeah, that's how we do. Uh, I don't need to say anything about Flint. That's how we do. We get big wins. You know, these are minuscule wins on Flint's radar as far as I'm concerned. This is nothing. Um, but Scott's Tots did their thing. Um, the the Rafone brothers are awesome. J- Joseph Carbone really has picked it up and played awesome. I'm really happy for him. Um, Colin Tracy, like we said, our rookie of the year, he did his thing. And this Scott's Tots team is dynamic. They're a great rebounding team. They don't make mistakes. They're really good at passing the ball. They have some high flyers, and they also shoot the three very consistently down the stretch of the season. And that was the thing that changed for them. They started hitting their shots and starting to figure out how to play in this league. And once once they flipped that switch, it was all full speed ahead for them. And, you know, I'm, I was really impressed with Scott Stoss this season. I hope they come back because they can definitely make some noise in years to come. On the stat sheets, this man, Kyle Guilametti, with 23 points for Scott's Tots. I think his name's Kevin because I'm pretty sure everybody was calling him Kevin the whole time. But um, 23 points, he was 8 for 16 from the field and had six made threes. This dude was absolutely drilling the three ball, keeping them in it. It felt like every time this game was starting to get away from Scott's Tots, this dude would step up and hit a massive three to keep it within striking range. And that was all that Scott's Tots needed to stay motivated, keep their um, composure, and they were able to really make this a really competitive basketball game for the entire length of the game you know it wasn't like they were competitive till the fourth or competitive for the first half like no like all the way start to finish this was a very good basketball game because of timely threes that were able to keep them in it um greg we, we we've been really you know giving him a lot of props all season long our guy colin tracy uh, only two points on one of six shooting here i think that the size of the flint tropics really kind of you know, came out on top here, and, and we talked about Scott's Tots being undersized and not having enough post presence down there. I think that really got to them in this game. No, definitely, and that's what we do with Flint Nation. Uh, like I said, they they grow men down there. We ain't no children, and uh, again, I love Scott's Tots. But that's what happens when you mess with the beast. Get absolutely Flint Nation. <laughs> Flint Nation, baby. So that's going to wrap it up for the recap. Uh, we're going to preview uh, the next round, the semifinals, and we'll get out of here. Um, we thank you guys for tuning in this far, and we'll and we'll uh, make this last segment um, nice and quick. But this is the fun one, Greg. This is this is what everybody looks forward to. We got a lot of player props to get into. Um, the final four. Let's get into it, Greg. Run TMC taking on Shocker City. We have Run TMC as favorites in this one, as a minus six and a half point favorite. Uh, taking on Shocker City. Let's start it off with our picks, Greg, off the rip. Uh, I think I like Shocker City here with the points. 
I think it's going to be a close game. Obviously, I have Shocker City as my champion, so I got to pick them no matter what. But uh, with the six and a half points, I kind of like that, and I'm feeling good about um, them covering at least, even if they don't lose or even if they don't win. Um, I got Run TNC here. Um, I think Run I think Run TNC's like I said, everything's going right for them. Don Lake is leading them. Uh, Reggie Stewart's absolutely kind of figuring out his role. He's not taking as many shots. He's kind of playmaking a little more. The Cody DiLonardo, Mike Slattery, Paul Miramina, they all just know their roles, and this team is just go- trending in such a good direction. Just watching them play basketball is the way basketball should be played. They're having fun, they're hitting their shots, and they're not turning the ball over or making dumb turnovers. They know when to really flip that switch, and it's going to be a big game. And I expect a big game from Mike Slattery and co. And, I mean, again, I just I think they're going to be too much for Shocker City. I think Shocker City might be the more talented team on paper, but the better team overall is Run TMC. Yeah, I think that Run TMC is unquestionably the better overall basketball team right now. Um, I don't have any problem saying that, even having Shocker City picked as my um, future champs to be, hopefully. Um, it's just still an obvious fact at this point in the season that they've been playing with more teamwork and more camaraderie, and their wins have been more impressive, and their losses have been less. They have a lot less losses than Shocker City as well. So everything trending in Run TMC's direction here, but I'm just going to hope that Shocker City can just rekindle a little bit of fire that they had from last season and uh, just kind of put it all together and, and you know use all the uh, fuel on the fire as motivation to get over run tmc in this game but we'll see what happens definitely going to be a great game greg let's get into these player props uh, for run tmc let's set the first one at their three pointers made this is a big three-point shooting team a bunch of guys that can really sling it they got will they got joey they got reggie and even guys who don't typically shoot a lot will bang some threes as well the slack can shoot paul can shoot dom can shoot um might even see Kevin Blake step out and, and bang a three or two. Everybody has the shot in their arsenal, and I think that 11.5 might sound a little high. They just hit 11 last week, so they can go over that total. I think that they will go over in a game where they'll be trying to um, kind of take some haymakers at Shocker City early in this one. So I think they're going to go over 11, 11 half three pointers for Run TMC. I'm going over, baby. I think they hit 15 or 16. I think TMC, again, like I said, they're just in a zone where they're not missing shots, and I think that hot streak continues. And Joey has a few, Paul has a few, Dom has a few, Reggie has a few, and I'm going over. I like it. And uh, we got another one, a couple. Of, I think we got three in each game here, so we got a bunch of player props that we'll be keeping track of um, next week. We got a head-to-head prop here. Uh, we're going to go with the assist total, head-to-head, Reggie versus Carmine. Who has more assists? Um I'm going to go Reggie. I think I like Reggie here, Greg. I'm going to go Carmine. I think Carmine has to play make for his team this game, and I think that he's finding a groove and returning to that, to that Temptations Carmine we saw. And I think that Carmine is just going to have an absolute field day, but it won't be enough to beat TMC. So here my, my whole thoughts on that is that Carmine, I think, showed everybody, hey, look what I could do when you need me to get you a bucket. And he showed that in the fourth quarter in this last game against Nick Strong and I think that that might carry over into this next game and he might be more aggressive with his shot and I think Reggie a game where he only had four assists this past week 
in a very important game where he knows that there's going to be a lot of defensive pressure geared towards him, he's going to be um, not reluctant at all to pass that ball and get his guys open. So I think that's why I'm leading Reggie. Um, but I like your point as well. Carmine, definitely the main ball handler for that team who could set his guys up probably better than anybody else. So we'll see if they use him in that regards, Greg. We have David Armstrong in this one as well, getting his own player prop for rebounds. We're going to set this one at 10.5 rebounds. Um, do you think that he goes over or under that total, Greg? Last week the stats showed him only getting a few, so it's going to be pretty uh, pretty hard for him to get over that 10.5, but I still think he's going to do it. I think that uh, maybe the stats get right. I'll try to get myself on scoreboard so I make sure those stats are right. Going over that total for Dave Armstrong rebounds. Yeah, um, I think he's going to go over, but I'm not taking the over because I know the insurance will get the stats right, so I'm going under. <laughs> Lock it in. Call your bookie. Wow, that is, dog. That is that rigged. Cash, That's corrupt. Take that bread. All right, Greg, the next game, Flint taking on Sportslook, our last game before we wrap things up. We're going to set the yep. favorites here. Flint minus four and a half points, um, taking on the underdog Sportslook plus four and a half. Close game here, Greg. I still think that the Flint Tropics pull it out, but I'm going to take those points at Sportslook. I think it'll be a narrow, narrow win, two, three points. We just saw a really close game between Flint and Scott's Tots. I think that uh, Sportslook is a little bit better than Scott's Tots, so I think that they'll make this game a little bit closer. So four and a half is a comfortable point spread to pick, but I'm not going to be surprised, even by the slightest margin, if, if the Flint Tropics win this game outright. Yeah, before I get into, go straight disrespectful mode, uh, I just want to say uh, Jeff Norco, Sports Look, and the guys, Dan Chaos, Tomatoes, having a great season. Uh, I think they'll put a fight up, but, I mean, let's be real. Sports Look, <laughs> who? Flint is going to take the dub. This ain't even a question. Go sell your house and put money on the Flint Tropics. Caggiano back, Juan back. That's, how, that's, what, that's what they do. You know, let me tell you a story. Flint is like a diamond. Di- the only thing that can destroy a diamond is another diamond. And I love Sportsbook, but they ain't a diamond. Flint Nation, baby. Absolutely historic segment there by Greg Horn. Uh, <laughs> Sportsbook, who? <laughs> Doesn't get any better than that. Disrespectful mode was in full blast. Greg, that's going to wrap things up for another episode here together on the Summer 19 Weekly Rebound Podcast. We threw it back. We did the audio version exclusive, just like the old days when we first started. So that was a lot of fun. From your host, Connor Sauer, co-host Greg Horn, any last thoughts or takes for the listeners at home? Uh, Yeah, Um, look, I know that me and Connor might have some hot takes, but I'm going to give you the hottest take of all time right here. Oh, Ready? God. Ready? Chris Rosinski, I'm calling you out. 1v1 me, All-Star Weekends. <laughs> calling you. 1v1 me or Joey or Connor. You have, or Eddie. You have your choice. <laughs> Just throw everybody in there. Greg and Horn. I, name an intern. An intern. You know, I bet you, I, I let, hell, it could be Julia. <laughs> Get Julia out here. She'll strap up. Oh, man. I am weak. I got that three ball. (laughs) All right, guys. Be sure to drop a follow on the podcast. We got a a Twitter account at weekly underscore rebound. Of course, you can find us now on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. Um, We're new up on iTunes, so definitely follow us along on iTunes. Appreciate all the support you guys have been giving us throughout the seasons. And uh, we'll be back next week. Thank you guys for tuning in.